Hey everyone, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner, and in today's episode, we are talking Leadville 100. That's right, one of the oldest and hardest 100-mile trail races in the country. What runners should know about it, its history, anything and everything. And to do so, I've brought in the marketing manager for Lifetime Fitness and the Leadville 100 trail race. So let's get into it with my next guest, Mr. Ryan Cross. Well, help me turn the turn Hey Jeff, thanks for having me. Hey Ryan, thanks for joining me, man. It's it's uh, always a pleasure to sit and talk to other race organizers and get some information and history about about races. And you know, when I was looking at a list of events to to do this with, like Leadville was one of my first ones that I came up. Like I, I want to learn more about it. I mean, just being based that I do races in Colorado, you know, you always you always hear a, a ton about the Leadville Trail Series. So I want to get more information myself on it personally, and and love to hear. You know, for anybody who has not been out to Leadville that maybe wants to head out there and, and check out whether it's the Level 100 or any other of the race series out there, like what they should expect and the history of the of the town and stuff. So, again, thank you so much for, for joining. So, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for giving me the chance to chat about it. You know, the, the history and community support behind the Level Trail 100 and, and all of our events up there. It's just it just goes so deep and in the history dating back to the 80s is is just very rich and profound and there's just so many passionate people who are followers of the race series and you know thanks for giving me the chance to to chat about it and to to give some more information to everyone out there. It, as you mentioned, it, it's I think it started the it race started in the early 80s. I think 1983 I think was the beginning uh, date of it. Um, but what what was the history? What brought the the race to Leadville, or what what made the the original founders choose Leadville? Yeah, so the story is it's actually really interesting. Um, a lot of a lot of people will know that Leadville is a is a mining community. So dating back to the 70s and 80s, you know the the town was employed. Roughly 60 percent of the people were employed by the mines. And hmm. in 1983, the race founder Ken Clover. Was, uh, was basically a shift manager at one of the big mines and one day went into work and found out that they were going to be closing the mine. So overnight, the community of about 5,000 people at the time, roughly 60% of them were out of work, and that included Ken. And so as, as the story goes, they had met with the economic development director from the state who came to town and basically said, you know, in order to kind of revive the town and to, to bring some economic stimuli back into the community, uh, they need to bring people to stay in overnight. And so Ken being kind of the innovative guy that he was and an ultra runner at the time said, you know, if we bring in the 100 mile race, people are sure to stay overnight. And so that was kind of the genesis of the idea. And so he had met with, with Mary Lee. And so Mary Lee being the other co-founder and came up with this idea for this 100 mile race. And at the time there really weren't too many ultra distance running events out there, but Ken and Mary Lee came up with this idea and knew that if they brought people to run in hundred miles, that surely they'd stay overnight. 
So that's kind of how it started. And over the course of several years, they built the events. You know, they had this kind of mail-in system where you would mail in an entry, tell your story. And ultimately, it just kind of started to, to gain some traction. So over the years, more and more people started showing up and, um, and they did start to revive the town. They did start to bring some, some more economic viability to the community through tourism and people staying and spectators. And, you know, part of the one of the central tenants was that um, it would always be Leadville based. It would always have Leadville in the name and it would not take from the community, but always be focused on giving back. So Ken always likes to joke that he would, when he participated in the race in the early years, he would write a check and merely would cash it. <laughs> so <laughs> as a participant, you know, never, never took from the race at all. And, and that's kind of one of the, kind of one of the foundational pieces that lives with the event today, just being Leadville focused, starting and finishing in Leadville and focusing on giving back to the community. I think I read somewhere too, that originally when he came up with the idea, it was also, was it also something where he wanted to do an ultra race and his original thought was to do something from Aspen to Vail. Yeah, and- I think that, was, that was part of it. But I mean, obviously now there's, there's multiple like point to points. You've got the Grand Traverse with yeah. Aspen and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he had done some crazy stuff back then and some really interesting routes. And like I said, I mean, ultra running back then was not what it is today. And you don't yeah. have the internet and Instagram and Strava and all these things to... <laughs> to share your routes. And Ken was kind of one of those OG guys that would go do some crazy stuff and come back and tell the story and, you know, kind of share it in the bar over a pint. And, you know, and <laughs> so the idea of, of doing this hundred mile race really was a word of mouth thing. You know, they didn't have traditional marketing tactics or like I said, the internet or anything like that. So, um, you know, and, and again, with the central tenant being starting and finishing in Leadville, they developed the course with the downtown start and finish and it, it still lives that way today. So from, uh, we'll get into the start and finish in a second, but like Leadville itself, is it still, um, not tourism pretty much is it's driving force right now, right? For the for the local market and stuff, it, it, it thrives on getting people to come up there and everything else. It, it doesn't really have much industry outside of, of the tourism, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and if you've been to Leadville, obviously they, they do have some pretty harsh seasons up there and mm-hmm. not 10,200 feet. The winters are pretty wild and, you know, they, they have a, a pretty dark winter up there. They don't get a ton <laughs> of tourism, but um, but yeah, I mean, tourism is still their number one economic driver. And, you know, the really cool thing is over the years, obviously the race series injected a lot of life into the community, but, you know, a lot of other businesses have followed. You see like Ski Cooper operating in the winter, um, you know, and, and on the restaurant scene doing really well. And, you know, I think 2020 was a good example of that when all the events were canceled and outdoor tourism was still booming, you know, being up in Leadville last summer, even despite the events, you really saw a lot of energy and business is actually doing okay despite all of the challenges that 2020 brought so so the the tourism industry is certainly the number one driver up there and it's it's been interesting to watch over the years as the race series has evolved how the community has responded oh very cool i'm, I'm glad that it still like, thrives on on the tourism even though that you know events didn't really happen you know last year because it's it is kind of one of those things it, and, and again 
anybody who's not familiar with where Leadville is at, it's up in the mountains. It's it's about a, an hour and forty five minute drive, two hour drive to uh, to the town from from Denver. So it's it's up in the mountains, you, you, and you gotta go over a couple of passes to get there, and it's it's a little rough. So I'm glad to hear that people were still going up there and and supporting the town while 2020 was going on. So if I'm a let's look at this from from a runner that's that's never been to Leadville, obviously, and wants to do the race. So from a, that perspective, if I'm gonna, do you guys have like a like an application process for the race or is it pretty much just sign up on online or do you have to show like some kind of history as far as, Hey, I qualified with this through another hundred mile race. Do you guys have that kind of process when it comes to the race? Yeah. So it's kind of multifaceted. Uh, first and foremost, we have, we do offer a lottery for the Leadville trail 100 run. So that being kind of the premier event, there's a lottery to get in and there isn't necessarily a qualification. You know, you don't have to prove that you can run a marathon in X amount of time or anything like that in order to apply. So anyone can apply and get in through the lottery through a random selection process. Uh, we do also have qualifying events where you can earn a slot based on performance. Uh, so like our Leadville trail marathon, for example, is a qualifier and we have some other qualifiers around the country as well, like the Austin Rattler and barn burner down in Flagstaff, Arizona. So trying to, trying to serve some of the markets outside of the Colorado audience that can get an opportunity to engage with the race series and earn an entry while not necessarily having to travel to Colorado. Uh, but other than that, we, um, we have a lot of events in, Leadville too. We have a 10K all the way up through half marathon, marathon, and then our Silver Rush 50 miler, which is actually going on this weekend, and then up to the 100. So we try to provide an opportunity for people to jump in that don't necessarily, you know, that aren't ready for a 100 mile run, but still want to experience the Leadville race series. So our 10K being kind of the most entry level of those, which actually takes place after the day after our 100 mountain bike race. So if for example, you're up there for the 100 mountain bike race, supporting a loved one. You can go out and run the 10K and still participate in the weekend's activities. So we kind of designed it in a way where anyone can participate, anyone can be involved. But you know, getting into the 100 is um, is still through a lottery selection process or through one of the qualifying events. Okay, so I, I'm I'm a runner. I get into into the race. What? some of the things that people should expect to see when they get to Leadville and they get to the race site? Like what's the first initial things that they, they would come up against? Well, you should be prepared to breathe through a straw. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the altitude is, is the big, the big deal up there. You know, the town is at 10,200 feet, which is, I, I believe they claim the highest incorporated city in America. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the altitude is really one of the big things that makes the Level Trail 100 unique. And that's that's the thing that people have to prepare and train for the most. I mean, you obviously it's challenging to, to prepare to race at that altitude, um, but whether it's through, you know, just coming up for one of our camps or training at altitude or taking a camp um, yourself in a high altitude area, that's kind of the biggest thing that people um, try to train for and prepare for. And then of course, just the distance, um, you know, a hundred mile race is, is huge and running across high alpine terrain for that, that duration is just something that you absolutely have to prepare for in your training. So whether it's your first hundred or you've ran Western States or any of the other Grand Slam ultras, 
you really have to prepare for that distance and, and be ready to take on a really, really mega effort over the course of a hundred miles. So let's get into your, so you mentioned the start finish is right in downtown. Like what's the connection point between your, your start area and then when runners start hitting the trails? Relatively so. Yeah. We start on sixth and Harrison right downtown and then run out towards turquoise Lake. So there's some awesome trail right next to turquoise Lake, which is just a beautiful lake sitting kind of right below the mountains there. And towards the first aid station, which is the May Queen aid station, when runners will hit the first trail. So I believe that's roughly about seven miles into, into the race. Um, but the course itself is, is so variable. You know, there's, there's high Alpine two track road shortly after that with Hagerman pass, there's the infamous power line descent and ultimately climb on the return, which is kind of two track, but super rough, super steep can be loose. Um, just a, a really, really challenging climb on the return, but also a challenging descent on the outbound. Uh, runners take on sections of the Colorado Trail, which is kind of rugged single track. Uh, and then ultimately the crux of the course is really Hope Pass. So runners will go through Twin Lakes, which is a small community uh, roughly at the halfway point or just outside of it, and then start the ascent of, of Hope Pass, which is a 12,400 foot pass, I believe. Oof. And that is, yeah. And it's all single track. So they start from Twin Lakes, climb up to the top of Hope Pass above tree line where weather can be a factor, obviously the altitude, um, but that single track pass is really the crux. And then that passes up and over into a small little ghost town of Winfield. And that's where the halfway point, the turnaround point is in the aid station at Winfield. And so then runners actually turn around, flip it, and then run back up Hope Pass. So they reach that high point for a second time before descending back into Twin Lakes. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the real deal out there. <laughs> so it's a, it's a true out and back course then. Right. It's, it is, there's no, yeah. no loop access to it. It's just straight out and back, which yep, pretty much there's a small little section towards the ends, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much an out and back. How many aid stations do you guys, are you guys able to set up out there on course? Just the two physicals? No. So we have, I believe it's four each direction. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's plenty of opportunity for, to rest and refuel and everything else along the course. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we certainly pride ourselves in taking care of the runners and providing a, a safe course out there and, and having fully stocked aid stations with great volunteers and, and of course, crew members as well. It's, it's definitely an integral part of the race and making sure that runners are supported and safe. Now, is there... Because it's an out and back, I know this kind of changes race to race, but do you guys allow, is spectators allowed on course um, for that? And then the second part would be usually with a, like a hundred mile or, or even the 50 mile races, there's always course support, like your, your uh, pacers and all that stuff. Do you guys allow pacers in certain sections of the course or just like on the back half or how does that work? We do. Yeah. And it's actually an interesting and timely question because we've had to make some, some pretty serious changes to that this year, just based on some feedback from the forest service. Uh, and then in order to get our permits approved based on some COVID guidelines that we, we had to submit early on in our permit approval process. But, um, but yeah, historically we've allowed pacers from that section I mentioned in twin lakes 
starting there up and over Hope Pass and then returning through the halfway point and then through the, the rest of the course. Uh, the changes we made this year are actually limiting pacers to only the return. So previously, the Forest Service um, you know, was concerned about impact. And I mentioned the small ghost town of Winfield at that halfway point. We have seen a, a ton of, of additional people out there in terms of spectators, crew, support members. And the Forest Service definitely raised some concerns about that. And for anyone that's listening that might have been part of the event in, in 2018 or 19. I mean, if you were at Winfield, you understand that the, the impact out there was was felt. And, you know, and, and we care greatly about our, our environmental impact. We care a lot about, you know, the, the fragile nature of the course and these, um, you know, these high alpine environments we operate in. So working closely with the Forest Service, we came to the conclusion that we just did not want to have additional spectators or crew or anyone out at Winfield. It was just too much of an impact. And and there's also other user groups that go out there. There's 14er access out there. And so essentially we we wanted to, to cut back on that. So for 2021 and moving forward, we're no longer allowing access at Winfield. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not allowing pacers. That just means that we're not allowing them at that furthest point of the course. So we will be allowing pacers starting at Twin Lakes, which is roughly mile 62 and a half, I believe. So from mile 62 and a half uh, through the end of the race, pacers are allowed and crew and support are allowed on course as well. When it comes to the course itself or the trails itself, um, you mentioned there's some single track, but there's also a little bit of wider areas there as you go through the little ghost towns and stuff. What kind of trail conditions can can your runners expect to see? Yeah, I mean, anything and everything out there, right? (laughs) Again, we're talking high alpine Colorado summer. You just, you never know. You can't necessarily prepare for it. Um, A couple weeks ago, we had our Leadville Trail 100 run camp, and it was 40s and raining for a lot of that. And, you know, we're talking end of June where it's supposed to be beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, right. And yeah, I mean, over the course of 30 plus years, there's been just insane weather, you know, from, from beautiful days with nothing but sun and blue skies to hail and sleet and snow and everything in between. So as far as conditions, you know, it's, it can be variable and in the duration of a hundred mile race, we're talking 20 plus hours for most, I mean, there, there's going to be a little bit of everything. So, you know, with monsoon season and those afternoon storms that we see in the high country in Colorado, I mean, Certainly rain, you know, is, is almost always going to be a part of the race and, yeah. and hopefully nothing, you know, too crazy, but, um, but yeah, preparing for, for the elements first and foremost, the weather, but as far as trail conditions, um, you know, it tends to hold up pretty well. Those, those kind of more rugged Jeep roads that I was describing like Hagerman pass or power line, they tend to do okay. Even when they're wet, you know, it's not, it's not a muddy mess up there. It's kind of rocky. So it drains well. Um, the single track can get a little soft. Some of the sections in the trees from Twin Lakes up to the base of Hagerman, the Colorado Trail there can certainly get a little moist in, in the trees. But overall, the course holds up pretty well. And there hasn't been a case where we had to cancel or anything like that. And, you know, this is this is a gritty race. This is a tough one. And I think that's part of the appeal. And runners that show up know what they're getting into. And, and we kind of like that. We, we kind of like that. <laughs> it's this wild adventure. And, and I think that's kind of the spirit of, of Leadville and of the race series itself. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the, the race, you know, everybody wants to you know, come up there and, and battle, 
all that really tough terrain and, and obviously the, the, the weather changes and everything else that, that, uh, that race has to offer in that area. When, uh, when runners come to the finish line, do you guys do like a finish line festival or the, does the like town get involved with, <clears throat> excuse me, how the setup is with everything? Is there a, like a, a big town involvement with the finish line? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely tons of spectators that come out. We have lots of sponsor activations and post-race festivities. And admittedly, 2021 is looking slightly different just with, you know, our direction from the health department. They don't want any sort of mass gathering to be occurring at the finish line. So we are still kind of working through that and, and managing expectations there. But we do still anticipate to have a finish line fest and, you know, beer and food and all that stuff at the finish line. And that's definitely been something that's that's been a part of our race series for years. And if you look back through old photos and you see these amazing finish line moments of, you know, any of everything from just hugs and medals to a proposal and, you know, like <laughs> it, it's something that, uh, you know, that, that definitely keeps us excited and motivated to, to continue the race series and have those, those really beautiful moments on the finish line. And that is an integral part of the race series for sure. Nice. Now does the town, I mean, the town it obviously brings with with not only the 100 but with all of the other Leadville events you guys do is do you still see uh, a huge support from the town itself um, or is there or is or do you ever notice any inkling of oh my god these guys are doing another event here <laughs> do you, I mean there's got to be a little bit of that too but is the town still super supportive with with everything that's going on yeah no that's a it's a super interesting question and and it's a mixed bag right like as you can imagine you know there's there's people that totally appreciate everything we do and that the race series comes to town and they absolutely love it and they watch everything and they volunteer and we have locals that have been volunteering for decades to, to run an aid station and they absolutely love it and then we have people who don't you know there's there's unfortunately been instances of of people you know taking down signs and things like that and and you know i've been working in, in races for a long time and and that's just it's just part of the territory you know there are a lot of people out there that live up in the mountains that that don't necessarily want you know the thousand bikers or runners going through their backyard and and we understand yeah. that and so for us it's really just about trying to you know, be as engaged in the community as possible and, and be a part of all the town conversations and meetings and just really listen. And, and if there's feedback that, that, you know, needs us to alter a course or a concept or any sort of management of the event, we're certainly always open to that to make sure that the community is, is receiving the event as positive, positively as possible. Ryan, I, I really appreciate you again, jumping on and, and telling us a little bit about Leadville and, and what the what runners can expect at the race. If they want to sign up for an event or go through the lottery process, where do they go do that? Where, what's the website that they can do that? Yeah. So our main website is leadvilleracesteries.com and that has all the info about all of our biking and running events. And yeah, you can go ahead and sign up on there and check out the dates. And uh, right now we have entries available for the Leadville 10K on August 15th. So if people want to check that one out, that one is still available. And we actually just launched our 100,000 foot challenge. So that's our, our digital um, challenge where people can ch- jump in and climb 100,000 feet, whether it's running or biking and engage with the virtual community on that as well. So those are the nice. two opportunities that are still available for 21. How um, how many runners do you get for the level 100? And, and do you, when do you sell that out typically? So we typically launch the lottery for that in the very beginning of the year. 
So if you kind of tune into our social media or sign up for our email list, we give people lots of notice and then it's open typically for a couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll have the lottery running, give people an opportunity to submit their names. And then we take about a one week period where we go through all the spreadsheets and, and manage the, the back end of it and then announce the results after that. So it's uh, early in the year, uh, December, January. Last year was a little different just because of COVID. But yeah, just stay tuned to all of our communication channels. And if you're interested in signing up in the lottery, we'd love to have you. Nice. Well, anybody listening in, I will put those into the show notes as far as the website and social media um, tags so you can follow the Leadville uh, Trail Series and and, uh, Lifetime events. Um, But again, Ryan, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And and it was always a pleasure to hear about this stuff and and get a chance to talk to you um, directly about what Leadville is all about and, and what the race is all about. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Jeff. It was great chatting with you. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. Special shout out to Ryan Cross from Lifetime Fitness and the Leadville Trail Running Series for joining me today to explain what runners can expect at the Leadville 100, how the race got started, why it's up in Leadville, uh, and what really what the trails look like uh, when runners get up there. So it's it was great to hear a lot of that information and, and get a little bit more history behind the, the race itself. So if you haven't had a chance to get up there, I totally recommend it. It's a it's a gorgeous little mining town. The trail system, as Ryan said, is very diverse in what runners and hikers will see up there. And hey, when you start at almost 12,000 feet, it makes it for a very <laughs> interesting start to your hike or to your run. So anyway, guys, I hope you uh, enjoyed that. And thanks for listening in. We'll see you out on the trails real soon. Music for the Trail Life podcast was provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. Matt Meyer.